0: Welcome. Welcome to baseball mainly. Baseball mainly. Baseball mainly.
1: Baseball mainly.
2: Welcome to baseball mainly. Hey, welcome to baseball mainly. I love it when she does that. That's just the uh, the coolest thing. Uh, giving us thumbs up. I need a thumbs up these days. I'm tired of being uh, every day being Groundhog Day. You know, it's uh, it's boring. You know, I. It probably wasn't boring for Murray, but it's boring for me. Hey, with me today is uh, my favorite son, Joey Snakes Monticello, or as his friends call him, Joey Baseball.
1: I think I have to be your favorite, because as far as I know, I'm the only one.
2: Yeah, you are my only one, there's no doubt. And also a good friend with me today, uh, Lance. Do you say cook? It's
0: cook, my friend.
2: K-O-C-H, Lance Cook. Get a little closer to that mic, Lance. Yeah. Uh, Lance's a big Cardinal fan. We're going to talk about Cardinals today, and uh, uh, because of that, I asked uh, my good friend Scott Green to join us all the way from Long Island, New York. How you doing, Scott? I'm
3: fine, man. How's everybody over there?
2: Going well. Can you turn him up a little? I'm not hearing him real well. Hey, Scott, uh, uh, we're going to talk about Cardinals today, and... Uh, I know you're a huge cardinal fan, so I wanted you to I want to get your perspective. They got several free agents. They may lose.
3: Yeah, they have several, and then hopefully a couple they may want to think about signing.:
2: Yeah. Hey, uh, before we get into everything, I want to mention today we're brought to you by Century Mortgage Lending, and that's Centuryml.com. Uh, talk to Liz or Paul over there. Elizabeth uh, did my loan a couple times, and I now have a very low interest rate. It's a great time to refinance. Rates are low. Century Mortgage Lending. Give them a call at 248-258-4977. Talk to Elizabeth or talk to Paul, and they'll take good care of you. They've been in business a long time. Uh, I would imagine coming up on 25, 30 years. And uh, their NMLS number, 134525CenturyMortgageLending.com, Century CenturyML.com, excuse me, they are Century Mortgage Lending, 248 258 Trying to sound like Buzz Van Houten, you know, he's got the show up, sign up, and ride. I love that. Hey, Scott. Uh, hey, Dad. I'm here with my, my friend Lance. Lance's mother just had a birthday. and Lance did something really cool. He went on a website called Cameo and got, you know, uh, Lance, by the way, is a big Cardinals fan, and so is his mother. How old's your mother, Lance? She's 89. 89th birthday. He, he bought her a message on Cameo from Adam Wainwright. And I think uh, hopefully we can play that. I don't know. If, yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and play that and, and take a listen to Adam Wainwright wishing Mrs. Cook a happy birthday.
4: Hi, Miss Marjorie. This is Adam Wainwright from the St. Louis Cardinals and my little daughter, Sadie <laughs> Faith Wainwright. And we wanted to reach out to you because we heard you got a big day coming up on October 28th. You are turning. 89 years old. She's only a couple of months younger than you because you're born on December 28th. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we wanted to tell you. Happy birthday. That's right. Happy birthday on behalf (laughs) of myself and my little daughter, Sadie Faith and your family who loves you and adores you so much. Um, they're going to send you this message through zoom probably or something like that. But, uh, I know you've been getting my emails, the Walking with Wayno Bible study. So thanks for being a part of that. And we appreciate you being a Cardinals fan too. So have a happy birthday, Miss Marjorie. And we will see you later. You want to say happy birthday? Happy again? birthday. There you go. See How cool
2: is that? What do you think? What'd she say, Lance? Did she say anything?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, she was really taken aback when she first saw it. I mean, at 89 years old, we did have to do a Zoom call, you know, and it took her a while. you know. Get some, up on that microphone. When somebody holds that thing and they're, they're, like, looking at it and then they're holding it up to the ceiling, and so you're trying to get them to turn it right, and she didn't, you know, she's having trouble getting it to work. But once we got it to go and she saw it, yeah, she was pretty blown away. Everybody who saw that was just, the as soon as they saw it, they are like, well, wow, that's a home run,
2: you know. Yeah, cool. Adam Wainwright.
0: Uh, He's a quality person great guy.
3: But yep. we used that in our advertising for our tournament in Texas. Really? We've had uh, Pudge, uh, Pudge Rodriguez.
2: How cool is that? I didn't yeah. even know that existed till uh, till Lance showed that to me. What a great gift for his mother. What a great uh, uh, advertising for you to have Pudge, who is uh, Mr. Texas Ranger, do that for your uh, your tournament down there in Texas.
3: Well, I'm, I'm certain Adam Wainwright remains the Cardinal.
2: Well, he's a free agent, and he's turning.
1: He's 39 right now. He's
2: 39. Wow. He's the oldest player in the National League. Is he really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm not he sure. Still about has that. top quality last
2: year. Hey, six seven, two thirty. That's 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 a a mountain of a man, and he seems like a nice guy. Lance, you you've kind of uh, been communicating with him through a Bible study. I understand. Yeah, I guess you could get on that microphone, man. Get it up so we can hear you. Loosely, am I close now?
0: Is yeah, a that's better. better. Much better. You can loosely use the word communicating. So he he did a Twitter a tweet in January talking about this Bible study that he was going to lead online, and it was read the Bible in a year, and it was a every single day. There's um, you know, about four chapters that he presents, and then he goes in on his website. It publishes every day at 3 a.m. He writes it the day before, and he puts this commentary in there, usually a pretty significant amount. I mean, good page and a half worth of writing, single-spaced, and it's every single day. Wow. And then he does an email uh, group through his a church out of... Uh, georgia i think and then of course the twitter feed it's called walking with Waino, and so i thought that'd be really cool i had never done that in my life and i thought well this might be an opportunity to do this and it might be an opportunity to learn about a player a little bit and it's just opened up all kinds of things the twitter uh, exchange is really really cool it's neat to see what other people do there's not that many people that are sticking through for a year but there's you know a few hundred i think that are regular contributors and then um you learn a little bit about him that one of the coolest things I remember was when they were stuck in the hotel in Milwaukee for six days they weren't allowed to leave their rooms he touched on that a little bit you know he yeah. wrote you know the daily commentaries from those rooms and he would occasionally say well I'm stuck in this hotel room and he would talk about how the particular reading for the day affected his his outlook Cause that was real neat so he was
2: one of your favorite players. Who are your favorite Cardinals?
0: Well, I think uh, I just have lots of memories from when I was a kid of Bob Gibson and Lou Brock. Yeah. Those hey, two particular. Uh particular.
2: Uh, Scott, you like either one of those guys, Gibson or Brock? Um,
3: two of my favorites. Not my favorite, but two of my favorites. Who's your favorite? Uh, I'm a Kurt Flood guy.
2: Ah, uh, Kurt Flood. Well, you know, I've, I've looked at I've looked at the stats for these guys. Lou Brock... Nine hundred thirty-eight steals, and you'd think nobody would ever touch that. That's more than Ty Cobb.
3: But uh, it was his record he broke. The amazing thing about it is Lou Brock has the second lowest on-base percentage of any Hall of Famer.
2: Wow. So it's
3: think about over. It's just over
2: three hundred. So if, walk. if he had been a better hitter or a guy who walked more. Think about how many more bases he could have stolen.
3: Well, He was, he was a free swinger, though. Lou uh, wasn't going up there to, to walk. This wasn't.
2: Even, even at that, he had a 45 war. That's, a, that's, that's respectable. Very respectable.
3: He had, had 3,000 hits. He was the 14th player in baseball history. to have 3,000 hits. Listen, I love Lou. And uh, as far as the World Series performer, him and Gibson were the all-time greatest Cardinals in that regard.
0: My mother took me to see Lou Brock hit his 3,000th hit. So we live in Springfield, Illinois. We're about 90 miles up the road from St. Louis, and that's how I grew up a Cardinal fan because I listened to Jack Buck and Mike Shannon for years. And Mom says one time, and it must have been about, I don't know, 77 or 78, I think. I was probably about 12. She says, let's get in the car. We got the kid from across the street. Three of us went, got in the station wagon, drove down, went to this game. I think we sat in the top row of Busch Stadium, the old Bush Stadium. And I remember that ball went off of the pitcher's leg. And there was, you know, wasn't sure if it was a hit, wasn't sure if he was going to be safe, what it was. And sure enough, that was hit number 3,000 for Lou Brock.
2: Well, 3,000 is just about guarantees being in the Hall of Fame as long as you didn't bet on baseball. Um, <laughs> a little, little jab at uh, Rose. And I think I'm coming around on Rose. Uh, boy, look at his numbers. They're amazing. Hey, uh, so Lou Brock, my favorite th- memory of Lou Brock is in the 1968 World Series, failing to slide at, ho- at home plate, being thrown out by Willie Horton. I can't help it. I'm a Tiger fan, right? I, I mean, that was a, a great memory for me. I watched every inning of every game.
0: I told you what Willie Horton said to me about that. Did I ever tell you that story? No. So when I worked uh, at the restaurant, we had a party one night and I remember this group came in and they were just terribly kind people and we were rushing them because they had a two hour window in this room and I remember they had to leave and I was I was nervous about it and I thought, gosh, you know, it's a very busy night and we've got the next party waiting to go in this room and I felt like we were stressing these people out. It was a large group, it was family and they were done. They were leaving. We'd gotten them out just on time. And just when it was done, this old man comes over, and uh, he walks up. He goes, are you the manager? I said, yeah. He says, well, i got to tell you, your people are all very nice. We've had a great time. Thank you. I said, oh, wow. And he says, uh, here, this is me. My name is Willie Horton. Yeah, how cool. Yeah, he was just very kind. So uh, the postscript of that story. I said, well, I looked at him, I said, Willie, I said, wow, that's really sweet of you to say that. Very, I'm very honored to meet you. I said, but I have to tell you, uh, I'm a Cardinal fan. <laughs> and he laughed. And he said to me, well, you know, I'll tell you, in 2006, he says, when this, the series was here and the Cardinals came into town, he says, you know, Lou came in. He says, and we went out to dinner. And he asked me for his ring. <laughs> And I said, "No, you should have ran just one step faster <laughs> about that play." Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, that was the turning point in the in the whole series. That it was, and, one, of the, it was one of the plays. Yeah. Yeah. That and then that ball that went over Javier's uh, head. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. You know, I was just a kid, but I remember it vividly. I remember, you know, one of the biggest parts of that series to me was Lolich hitting the only home run of his career off of. Must have been off of Gibson. Maybe it was off of Bryles. I don't know.
3: Now it was it was in game uh,
2: four or five. Yeah, it was it must. Have, off Gibson. may have been off Bryles. Anyway, um, Brock nine hundred thirty-eight steals. That's it, 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 baseball takes such a toll on your body, right? Joe. Joe. Joe's always complaining about his knees. Imagine nine hundred thirty-eight steals over your career and playing baseball. You know, probably 175 games a year at a minimum. What do you think, Joe? You think you could handle that?
1: Well, if I'm getting paid what they're getting paid now, most definitely I can handle it.
2: Well, I'm I'm looking at some of these stats for some of these guys, and uh, uh, the guys we're talking about today, you know, Wainwright obviously is making good money. I think Wainwright will stay with with the cards, don't you?
1: He has to. He can't wear another uniform.
2: Yeah, he's been with them his whole career. Um, you know, uh, the other guy you mentioned was Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson, t- to me, was the ultimate warrior in baseball. It's not that he was the the ultimate player, but he was a warrior. When when he was on the mound, man, you know, when I play ball with guys even my age that never smile, <laughs> that are, are violent in the way they play, and I'm gonna talking about physically to somebody else just the way they look it scares me i think people were afraid of gibson and i look at gibson's numbers he had a his lifetime whip which is the number right 1.188 and you know they had a higher mound through 68 and people say well you know he pitched off a higher mound well, he lowered that mound, and the next five years after that, his ERA was 218, 312, 304, hundred four, two forty six, and two seventy seven. I don't think it mattered what where how that mound was with Gibson.
0: Um, it, he, he was such a unique personality too. You know, he used to really get frustrated when like if you went to first base and started talking to the first baseman, as uh, you know, he, he couldn't handle that kind of stuff. He was like, "No, that's the enemy." You don't talk to him. <laughs> he was just so so serious about that stuff. And he, you know, another note on that. Uh, Scott probably could talk about this a little bit too. But he and Jack Flaherty really developed a really cool relationship the last few years. And Jack Flaherty sort of emulates a lot of those behaviors, you know. And he's been a pretty successful pitcher the first few years for the Cardinals. And of course, we just lost the lost those guys, you know. Gibson yeah, and it's
2: been a tough year, man. Been a real tough. Yeah, year.
0: it's been a tough year to be a Cardinal fan.
2: Yeah, and within
3: a, within a month, we lost Brock and Gibson.
2: Yeah, and and, and uh, not too far, I think maybe sandwiched in between there or just before, we lost here. We lost Al Kaline,
3: and we lost living here in New York. We lost my second favorite pitcher of all time, Whitey. Tom Seaver.
2: Oh, Tom Seaver. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to say Whitey Ford. You're not? Are you not a Yankees fan?
3: Uh even though he has all the World Series records and a hell of a nice guy I've met several times he had a house out here but uh, Tom Seaver was the franchise there's no he he was the only player in my lifetime that you could argue made a a team a winner by himself I mean when Tom Seaver came to the Mets that's it he was the franchise and uh, they became winners because of him. I don't think there's anybody else. I mean, as much as Brock made the Cardinals winner in the 60s, he wasn't Tom Stever. And a great Lou Brock, Tom Stever story, I'm sure you both heard. But in Lou Brock's first All-Star game, which wasn't until 1967, he showed up at 10 o'clock in the morning at the clubhouse and asked the clubhouse and to get him a Coke. And the guy brought the Coca-Cola over to him and goes, by the way, my name's Tom Stever."
2: <laughs> I love
0: it. That's a great story. I've it. never heard that. Uh,
2: you know, I, I what I remember of Tom Seaver because we didn't get to see him a lot here. When he was with the White Sox, we saw him, you know, a bit. But um, it's his knee. He he got so low that he, the knee that was on the that came off the rubber right. The, that leg would get dirty. I mean, he what a push off he had.
3: That was the tribute the Mets paid to him. The day after he died, when they played, everybody dirtied up their left knee.
2: How cool. That is just cool.
3: He was a power pitcher. He was just fabulous. I I probably saw him to pitch more games than any pitcher in my life. But I lived in New York at the time, and I made it a point to see him win his 300th game against the Yankees when he was with the White Sox. A complete game victory, by the way.
2: Well, we're we're talking Cardinals, and we're talking stuff that's tangential to the Cardinals. I like to throw those words in. Yeah. You know, I paid a lot for those words. It's just like all those Greek words I learned in uh, Greg Hand's class many years ago. Uh, hey, uh, you know, uh, I play ball in uh, MSBL League with somebody who is a huge Cardinal fan. That is, um, I want you to know, um, uh, Scott, that Dave's getting better. Dave Harville. I spoke to Dave just yesterday. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I play last game we played a, a month or so ago. He was there, and we took a bunch of pictures with him. And he got he we let him bat a few times. He's starting to get to where he can make out which which part of his double vision is the baseball, and uh, just an awesome guy. And uh, want to shout out to him. Hope he continues to get better. What Dave have, any, have anything special to tell you? That's talk about a card. Yeah, think Dave had gone on
3: Facebook and seen my post. One of my grandsons, Errol, said hi, my name is Errol, I'm wearing a Cardinal hat. And if I said this, and Grampy would give me more cookies. And then Dave liked it Says, where's my cookies? So I sent him <laughs> a box with our very famous Tate cookies, which are made in Southampton, which you can probably find anywhere out there. And I sent him a plate the plate shirt, a hat, and uh, two bags of cookies. And he called me,
2: of course, thank me. Uh, cool. Dave's a wonderful man. He's uh, sure he's been an encouragement to me playing baseball and a good friend. And I uh, wish him well. I want him to get get well as I want him to get back to where he can actually play some more. I know it was killing him to watch us play this year. But he wore his Cardinal uniform with his Cardinal team every game he came to.
3: Well, uh, we have a heard- very any books on the Cardinals. I actually sent him an autograph, Luke Rock, uh Hall of Fame black card which are Puff to get nice. I'm very appreciative of
2: it. Well, uh, Dave is you know, is, is a huge Cardinal fan. Uh, I don't know. What he wears sixteen on his uniform. Do you know the yep. significance of that?
3: I don't know. The only sixteen I ever remember was Ray Lankford and maybe Bill Gagsiano from the sixties, so there's no famous sixteen.
2: Dave is, uh, Dave is uh, just a delight. And, and the person who I think has made him a delight is Deanna, his lovely bride, uh, because she she keeps, she keeps him in line and he needs to be kept in line a little bit. So our our best wishes go out to David, who, by the way, is a member of the Roy Hobbs hall of fame as well. Uh, which they don't, they don't just throw anybody into that group. And, uh, uh, I know Dave has played in that tournament a lot of times down in Fort and the Myers. the Play at the
3: Plate Hall of Fame, I may add.
2: How about that? Yeah, we didn't mention that your, your organization is called PlayAtThePlate.org, and if any of our listeners uh, are interested in playing baseball as an adult, uh, Scott puts on tournaments around the country at uh, famous venues. It might be a major league park, uh, a historical park. Uh, and and you can sign up and play, and it's it's it is a riot. Joey and I have played several times together. Uh, what'd you bat when we played in uh, uh, Jupiter down there at uh, Roger Dean? How uh, you keep telling me how what your batting average was
1: i was I was thirteen for eighteen, which equates to uh, seven twenty. and I did that all three weeks after fracturing my hand in three places.
2: How cool is that? Wow. yeah. and and he doesn't let me forget it either, Scott. I mean, He, he was does. also keeping
1: score. <laughs> well, you only hit 700, so you needed another couple of hits. <laughs>
2: yeah, I did. Uh, well, I, I don't want to outdo you. I, I wouldn't want to hurt your feelings.
1: That's okay. I'll hurt my own feelings.
2: Okay. Hey, uh, speaking of Cardinals, you know, we lost uh, Al Kaline here this year. He was Mr. Tiger. But Mr. Cardinal, to me, would have been Stan Musial. Anybody disagree with that? Oh, he was. So so I'm looking up Stan Musial's stats, right? And he he uh started playing in nineteen forty one. You could say, well, you know, this guy, you know, it's World War Two starts and he probably got the benefit. However, he didn't play in forty five, he was in the army. Or he's in the military at least. I assume he was in the army.
3: He was in the navy.
2: Was he in the navy? Three and, and, and here's here's where it goes from 43 skipping 45 to f- to 1958 every year he hit over 300 he hit 357 347 365 forty48 he hit 376 uh 346 and 50 355 and 51 351 and 57 and every year he's in the like 330s at least. Uh, he did have an off year where he only hit 312 and another year where he only hit 310. He was slacking those years, I guess. Amazing stats plus 475 home runs. A guy with that much power who's hitting for average, uh, you just don't see that. And at, even at that, he was only MVP of the league three times. To me, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, to me, he was the National League uh, player, the amazing player that Ted Williams was in the American League. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, though the numbers, it isn't like, you know, we know players who will have, they'll have this great year, and then the next year they'll fall off a little, and then, you know, a few years later they might have a good year. But there aren't that many players that consistently are great. Stan Musial was that guy.
3: I think he was the Sporting News player of the decade for the fifth.
2: Just I look at the numbers. I I don't remember that because he played in the National League. I knew he was great. I didn't realize how great until I looked at those numbers. Lifetime batting average of three thirty-one. Unbelievable.
3: And then the amazing thing about his. uh, Statistics, and to this day, I'm still bewildered by it. At Old Sportsman's Park, it was like a reverse Fenway Park. So you had the short uh, wall at uh, the grandstand, they called it the pavilion, in right field. And certainly to hit a ball off the top of the roof for a home run, you know, wasn't a monumental shot. But they, for whatever some reason, they had a screen from the top of the wall that went to the top of the roof that when the ball hit the screen that was in play. So the fans actually sat behind the screen. I got Sam Musial and Eno Slaughter playing in the 50s. I just can't imagine how many line drives they hit into that screen that would have been home run. Uh, It's just sort of bewildering of why they did that. I really think Musial would have probably had at least another 50.
2: Well, it's... it's, uh... I think that's one of the things that makes baseball interesting is the statistics and the different dimensions of everywhere you play. You know, uh, Tiger Stadium, I remember, was 325 and right, and I think 340 down the line and left. Not huge dimensions, but when you went out to straightaway center, it was 440. That was a poke, right? So uh, it was a small ballpark as long as you could, you know, kind of pull the ball. I look at uh, places like, uh, was it the Polo Grounds that had the hill that went up into the stands? No, that was Crosley. Crosley Field. I, I mean, they just kind of made it up. Wherever the ballpark would fit, that's where they put the ballpark.
3: Well, the Polo Grounds that you mentioned, it was the most strange dimension ever. It was literally 255 or so down the line, each both of the left and right. And then it went straight out. That literally 80 or 90 feet from the foul pole, it was close to 390 now. But I can say a bell hit a lot of cheap home runs. <laughs> That's all I want to say.
2: Hey, uh, anything over 300 feet to me is not cheap. You know, I, I hit a ball at uh, Pal uh, Park here in Detroit, which is the former uh, location of uh, uh, Tiger Stadium. And the dimensions are the same. And I accidentally hit a ball that one hopped the, the wall. But it was totally by accident. I usually, you know, if I hit a ball 275, that's a poke for me now. And uh, I, I just, these guys are so strong and so amazing.
3: Hey, well, I was it, mentioning uh, the sport against Luke Rock at the Polo Ground. As a Cub, his second year, he is one of only three players to hit a ball into the bleachers at the Polo Ground. So, you see the Willie Mays catch? Yes. He hit one over that to the bleachers. Wow. And the only other two players that do that were Joe Atcock
2: and Hank Aaron. Oh, that's pretty good company. Hey, uh, the the uh, Cardinals have some um, free agents, Lance. You know these guys? You follow the Cardinals, right?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting uh, window of time that's opened up. You know, it's just totally. So we got
2: Wainwright, who I think will sign a one-year deal with the Cardinals. I I, I just, I think he's, I think it's home, right?
0: I think if you're a betting man, you would think that's probably going to happen. They, they had such a good arrangement the last couple of years with his incentive contracts. What what
2: about Molina? Yadier Molina
0: is a free agent. Certainly a little bit of a wild card. Um, I think he's made it real clear he wants to play two more years. And uh, I don't know what he's going to decide to do. Well, he's... uh There's big rumors here. Yeah, uh, with... Uh, with the Yankees. The
2: Yankees. Molina and the Yankees. Well, the, you know, the Yankees don't have the best catching in the American League. No, they don't. Any. and uh, That's okay. <laughs>
1: they can keep it that way.
2: Well, they did have our catcher from last year. They did have Romine, who is a decent catcher, I think. Well... And, and actually played well for us here in
1: Detroit. When you're catching with Gary Sanchez, you could put anybody else back there and he'll look like a gold glover.
2: Sanchez has, yeah. has popped he's in horrible. that bat, though.
1: He's He's been slacking with the offense as of late. He's, had yeah, he's, he's on the outs with New York. i doubt
2: about it. Well, that'd be interesting to see Molina there.
0: Well, uh, you know, and he, he's the guy that would just sell tickets. That's what's so interesting about Molina. I mean, he is such an exciting, cerebral. There's just nothing boring about a game with Yachty Molina. Well, you know, Molina's
2: batting average is decent. You know, a lot of a lot of catchers, you know, they bat 230 and hit, you know, 15, 20 home runs. They think, wow, we, I, we've we got some. Molina's got pop in his bat. He's got a decent on-base percentage. Uh, he had a 737
3: OPS. I I, 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 th- I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up with a match either.
0: The thing about Molina, you know, there was a lot of – Scott could probably weigh on this, but – in the first year, he didn't win a gold glove, right? Two months of play, and they changed the criteria this year. They took the player voting out of it, they went with all metrics, I'm pretty sure. And Molina wasn't even one of the three finalists with this really? new deal. And so it begs the question, It's I was thinking about this this morning, so if you're going to if you're going to vote for someone for the Academy Award, you're going to get other artists to vote on the art. And catching is such a position that is such an art, it's so difficult to wrap your arms around statistically. I mean, for example, he will, uh, he, you know, he didn't throw out that many players, but he's got such a reputation and he intimidates so many players that they're not going to run. They're not going to run, yeah, how so do, he's not going to get the out. How
2: do you? How do you?
0: Uh, which will then sti- hurt him in a Gold Glove.
2: How do you? How do you get a statistic for that when guys are afraid to run? Right. How do you get a statistic for framing the baseball? Right. How do you? How do you have a, a statistic for blocking the ball? I, I don't. I don't think that's why I think you're what you're saying is valid. How do you the get guys a statistic who play with for, him his, know.
0: for his eye contact when he's looking? Around the field, and if you're the player on second baseman and you can see yadi Molina's eyes doing this, that's just going to make you take pause for a second. And that's a pretty powerful that that stuff all adds up. Yeah, for sure. Joey's a catcher.
1: I try to not be a catcher, is what what the deal is. But you,
2: yeah, uh, Joey Joey caught on an 18 and over team uh, last year, and you didn't catch it all this year, did you?
1: No, I did because our catcher uh, liked to give about half an hour notice when he wasn't going to be there.
2: Ah so you didn't catch much this year
1: I caught the last probably third of the season really yeah
2: oh yeah yeah I remember seeing some games where you were catching mainly mm-hmm. the most of the time watching you play when you pitched I was that's when I worried
1: well yeah I, I almost <laughs> ate a ball a couple times
2: uh, I, I just don't know how these guys do it their legs man It must be they must just they must be beasts, you know.
1: I don't know how they do it. Well, you know how much I complain, and I only do it like four or five times a year.
2: And you're 20 years old. These guys, you know, they're moving on in their careers. The other guy who's a free agent, also a catcher in St. Louis, Matt Wieters.
3: Yeah, and a good backup, too, but I'd say he's gone for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I remember him. Wasn't he with Baltimore previously?
3: He came up with Baltimore as a big, uh, touted rookie who never lived up to everything but still a solid player.
2: Yeah, his numbers are decent. Two forty nine batting average, uh, seven twenty two OPS. I don't know, that's that's pretty decent.
3: And well, then the Cardinals have a young catcher that they have to play. And that's the uh, Neisner. And uh, that could be the reason they give if they let Molina go. If they let Molina go, you're gonna see a huge be both by fans of St. Louis. And the same thing for Wayne, right? Uh, just let him finish the careers out. Don't blow it like it, you know. Well, I might say they blew it, but, you know, they let Alvin Fulhoes walk, so they could let anybody else
0: do it. It's really reminiscent of the whole Ozzy Smith thing, you know, when you think about it, Scott. I mean, that's still on the table and simmering. You know, he and Larusa had the big blowout when Larusa decided to play Royce Clayton in Ozzy's last year. Yep. and Boy, they just were, you know, and then Ozzie would not come back and participate in anything with the Cardinals until La Russa had left the organization. Wow. Yeah, yeah. no love lost there. Yeah, it was a big deal.
2: Uh, Colton Colton Wong, second baseman, kind of...
3: I think he will return with a smaller deal. You do? I, I do. I mean, they just, you know, they, he's a free agent. He can still be signed by the Cardinals. And they took a lot of heat, fan-wise. I mean, how do you get rid of a, a Gold Glove second baseman and uh, someone who's finally maturing, becoming I mean, an offensive threat? The guy that I just can't see why they keep playing, who's just been horrible the last few years, is Carpenter. I, I just I don't get it. Yeah, it's, it's I frustrating, him every isn't it? Night, and they put the shift on. He back left-handed. They got four guys on the other side of the bag, and here's another ground out a short right field. And it's like, come on, can you not hit the ball to third base? I, I don't get it. I don't get major league players who cannot hit the ball to the opposite
2: field. Well, there's a reason right there. If we're going to have shifts, guys need to learn to bunt. You know, I, I know bunting isn't cool anymore, nobody bunts. But you lay down a few bunts to the other side, they'll start, they'll, they'll at least have to put somebody over there toward the line. And then you've got a nice gap in right center or left center, depending on, you know, how you bat.
0: I think this is an entire podcast right here, this one question, because I look at – Scott could really empathize. I look at that with uh, Carpenter, Matt Carpenter, and I think I've asked that question almost every time he comes to bat, and the entire fan base does. And yet, you know, I don't want to hate Matt Carpenter. He did a lot of wonderful things. I think he's a terribly classy, wonderful guy, good individual, you know, fundamentally – pretty good player but you know arguably a significant disappointment the last two years and he's taken a lot of heat but we all look at it and think how hard can bunting be i mean how how i don't know it's not easy i don't want to do it i mean i don't want to stand there with a 95 you know mile an hour pass but i'm also joey's point i'm not a professional player being paid that you would think a guy like carpenter could learn how to just bunt for a decent you know, just enough to just enough to change that shift a little bit because this shift was so, I mean, Madden one time in a game, Joe Madden one time, just to make a point, the first batter of the game was Chris Carpenter. It's the first inning in Wrigley, and Joe Madden took Chris Bryant, put him in the outfield. He's got four outfielders, and he's got the other three infielders on the other side. Nobody. He had nobody on there, and that was Joe Madden's way of making a point that I know Chris Carpenter's not going to. I know he's not going to bunt. I mean, he could have. You know, I don't know if you remember that, Scott. Or at least let the ball I get deep enough it. to hit it the other way. Yeah, I mean, that's why I always thought,
3: personally, Musial was, I want to say a better hitter than Williams, but an all around hitter that Williams wasn't, that Musial used the entire field. And I don't understand why a guy can't hit the ball from middle out between third and short. And. And uh, Matt Carpenter doesn't want to
0: do it. There has to be something there, though, because it now is becoming his legacy, and I don't think that's what a guy like Matt.
3: It's called po- uh,
0: stubborn. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Where's Alan Craig? That's a good okay. point.
3: He's talking about a guy who has stubborned his way out of
1: baseball. I wonder if part of it is because he's had so many position changes in the last like four years. Because I'm a utility guy, half the time, if I sh- when I show up to a game, I don't know where I'm playing. And so you know, if, if you if you're doing that day in day out and on a yearly basis, if you're more worried about where am I playing, you know, am I gonna have to play third base for three innings today, and then something happens, now I'm playing second base. You're worried about it, your defense. I, I don't think
3: it, it wears on you that much, Joey, at, at the plate. And even this year, Carpenter was their uh, DH. Okay. I mean, they, they couldn't even get him in the field.
2: Well, there's your, your National League change for the year. They had the DH in the National League this year. Uh, Which
3: I have thought for years. I was, I'm was i a National League guy. All right, and I hated the, the DH. I thought it took strategy away from the game. But the game has changed to the point where everyone's a specialist. You're not worrying about pitch hitting for the starting pitcher in the eighth inning anymore. Right.
0: Cost Wainwright a season one time, didn't yeah. it? Didn't it cost him an entire season? I mean, and he's the first yeah. guy to tell you that he he doesn't want the DH, and he always wants to hit, and it's so entertaining, and you know, I mean, I, I there's so much fun to having the pitcher hit. I, I'm with you, but but yeah, I mean, it's ar- it's hard not to look at it and say, you know, geez, would have been what would have been like to have him for a pitcher that year, and he got hit. He
2: well, was... let me t- let me tell you what's going on with with DHing. Uh, pitchers used to be able to hit. Right, we, We've had lots of pitchers over the years that could hit, and we're good hitters. But pitchers, let's say you're in high school and you're a pitcher. They have DH in high school. Yeah, You're in college and you're a pitcher. They have a DH in college. So these guys aren't getting – they're not progressing as hitters. You know, they might have been a great infielder and pitcher in uh, travel ball, but they got to high school and they made them a, a pitcher only. They're in college, they're a pitcher only. They're in uh, the minor leagues. They're a pitcher only. So they're not they're not progressing, right? And I think that it's it's taken away from that. So when you get a, a pitcher who can hit like uh, the guy out in uh, San Francisco. Arizona
1: now, Baumgartner.
2: Baumgartner. A guy who can hit. The guy from Japan. It's an anomaly, yeah. Uh,
1: I think they've kind of given up on him pitching. Every time he's tried to pitch, he's blown his elbow out. What's his name? Otani. Otani, yeah. yeah. Well, if you want a, a true two-way player, look at uh, Michael Lorenzen from Cincinnati. He hit, yeah. I think last year, he hit home runs in three consecutive at-bats.
2: Yeah, there's a guy can hit. Hey, uh, another uh, guy who is a uh, uh, a free agent, bringing it back to the Cardinals, Brad Miller. Brad Miller isn't, you know, he he looks like Tommy Brookens to me on paper. You guys may not know, <laughs> remember Tom Brookins, but... He's a guy who, who two two thirty-five, two forty-five type hitter, uh you know, low three hundred on base, but had some pop in his bat. Yeah, he started
3: the season off well. And
2: could play anywhere.
3: Yeah, but I don't see them be him either.
2: Well, he might fit well here in Detroit. Uh you know, we're 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 short of second baseman, we're short of first baseman. Who knows if any of these rookies we have are gonna make it? um but he sounds like a decent player. I've never you know, I've never really paid a lot of attention to him, but I mean that, that's a big part of their team that that group we just named Wainwright Molina, Weeders, Wong, and Miller. Uh, I think the Cardinals uh, have some work to do, but they tend to always find ways to put a winning team on the field as opposed to you
3: know what? They, they, they do just the last couple of years, they have relied solely on their own system. And have given up on a lot of good young ball players after a year or so. You know, Randall Gritchick, Stephen Piscotti. Um, I I don't, I wouldn't mind if they gave up on Harris Bader. I don't think he's a Major League player, in all honesty. I don't think Tyler O'Neill, even though he won a gold glove, is a Major League hitter.
0: That's a bizarre reality. You
3: know, on his last year, thank
0: goodness. Yeah. But, You know, the most famous one now is going to be this trade, and they've got this young pitcher, this Libertor, or Libertore, I I don't know how to pronounce his last name, who's, you know, this poor guy's now going to have all this pressure on him. He's this high prospect because he was traded for Rosarena. And this guy goes on and has about the best postseason ever. Ever. (laughs) And he got traded last year, and he got traded, uh, you know, just Coincidentally, or notably, you know, after the Cardinals won, I think one of the, maybe the division series last year, they had a postseason, uh, you know, meeting in the clubhouse, and Mike Schilt, manager, was doing this big pep talk, and he had all—it was laden with profanity. And I recorded the whole thing. Oh, yeah, that didn't help me. On video. <laughs> and it went out on the Internet, you know. And, poor kid. I mean, he's just a young guy. You know, I think he's is he from Cuba. He's, he's, from, he's from somewhere. But, um, you know, poor guy. And they, and they were real classy. Mike Schultz was like, you know, he's just a young guy. I didn't know what he was doing. It was real nice to him. But then, boom, they trade him. He's gone two uh, months another later. One was, another one was Tommy Pham. Yep. Yeah. Tommy Pham, bad mouth, Cardinal. Well, he's
1: got his own issues right now.
2: Yeah, he got stabbed. Got stabbed outside a gentleman's club in San Diego, which apparently could be open during the COVID crisis. Uh, uh, At any rate, uh, Mr. Pham does have some problems. But a good ball player. Yeah.
1: Well, here's a a potential solution to your Harrison Bader problem. Uh, According to Manny Rendawa of MLB.com, a potential yeah, potential trade proposal would be the Cardinals would acquire Francisco Lindor in exchange for Harrison Bader, Tommy Edman, Johan uh, Oviedo, and Angel Rondon.
0: Well, I take that deal on a hard. It's right. one year. Yeah, I, Lindor's only one got one year left.
1: I think it's you know what? not a great deal.
3: The other guys, I mean, Tommy Edmond is a flash in a pan, and Harrison Bader will never amount to anything. He's a, he's what a good friend of mine. and I call a four A player. He's not a major leaguer. He's not a triple triple A. He's just not a hitter. He can't hit. He just
1: can't. Sounds like uh, Detroit's
3: lineup. He, you know, you got our, our outfield is the worst in baseball. It's the worst outfield in the major league.
1: I I I don't think so. Uh, when you've got uh, Christian Stewart, Travis Demerit, and Jacoby Jones, or not him because he doesn't know how to get out of the way of a pitch. Uh, so you've got just uh, maybe Jorge Bonifacio out there. You're looking pretty bad here in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have that.
3: The good thing is we is Carl. Uh, I like him, and I, he's going to be a, a regular for the Cardinals for a long time.
2: Hey Scott, I'm I'm getting uh, I'm getting told we need to wrap this up. I think we're oh. gonna I think we're gonna wrap it up. I think we've covered the Cardinals' woes and 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 good things and and I have to say that I was uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how the Cardinals manage through this versus how our hometown uh, guys are managing through this uh, rebuilding as they're calling it. Uh, but there are a couple guys we've. We've drafted that I'm impressed with. Uh, we'll see if they turn turn out to be what we think they can be. Anyway. Of course,
0: we got the news from uh, you know three hours ago. The, you... Theo Epstein has uh, left the Cubs, and we don't know where he's going. Wow. Yeah, he's resigned. Well don't know the story there. But. First
1: year they haven't made the playoffs in a while. He was kind of on the outs. Same with Madden. That's why Madden got uh, didn't get rehired a couple yeah,
0: years ago. If I'm the Cubs, man. I would be keeping Theo and Joe Madden until they. Yeah, both I mean, those guys. They only went a hundred years without a <laughs> change. Yeah, really. Seriously, it's amazing how you go from from king to a bum in just a year. Yeah, and he did it twice. You know, Epstein did it twice. yeah Yeah, broke two curses. Yeah, he did.
2: Hey, so we're go- we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for being here, Lance. It was a pleasure this having you. Thanks for helping me out, Joey. I really appreciate it. And Scott, uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Play at the plate.org. Everybody needs to know about it. And uh, uh, I look forward to finding uh, something Joey and I can come to soon. Uh, hopefully, this pandemic gets over soon where we can go play some ball. will uh, in Pero Beach in April. All right. I'd like to. We'll see what happens. Hey, for, for all of us here at uh, baseball mainly, thank you, Kelsey, and thank you, David, for doing such a great job on the boards. This is Jess Monticello saying, Let's play too.